0: Chapter 1 of Discourses on the First Decade of Titus Livius, Book 1. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Dave Gillespie, Ashland, Kentucky. Discourses on the First Decade of Titus Livius, Book 1, by Niccolo Machiavelli. Translated by Ninian Hill Thompson, Chapter 1. CHAPTER One, OF THE BEGINNINGS OF CITIES IN GENERAL, AND IN PARTICULAR OF THAT OF ROME No one who reads how the city of Rome had its beginning, who were its founders, and what its ordinances and laws, will marvel that so much excellence was maintained in it through many ages, or that it grew afterwards to be so great an empire. And first, as touching its origin I say that all cities have been founded either by the people of the country, in which they stand, or by strangers. Cities have their origins in the former of these two ways, when the inhabitants of a country find that they cannot live securely if they live dispersed in many and small societies. Each of them unable, whether from its situation or its slender numbers, to stand alone against the attacks of its enemies, on whose approach there is no time left to unite for defense without abandoning many strongholds and thus becoming an easy prey to the invader. To escape which dangers, whether of their own motion or at the instance of some greater authority among them, they restrict themselves to dwell together in certain places which they think will be more convenient to live in and easier to defend. Among many cities taking their origin in this way were Athens and Venice, the former of which, for reasons like those just now mentioned, was built by a scattered population under the direction of Theseus. To escape the wars, which, on the decay of the Roman Empire, daily renewed in Italy by the arrival of fresh hordes of barbarians, numerous refugees sheltering in certain little islands in a corner of the Adriatic Sea, gave beginning to Venice, where, without any recognized leader to direct them, they agreed to live together under such laws as they thought best suited to maintain them, and by reason of the prolonged tranquility which their position secured, they being protected by the narrow sea and by the circumstance that the tribes who then harassed Italy, had no ships wherewith to molest them, they were able from very small beginnings to attain to that greatness they now enjoy. In the second case, namely of a city being founded by strangers, the settlers are either wholly independent or they are controlled by others, as where colonies are set forth either by a prince or by a republic, To relieve their countries of an excessive population or to defend newly acquired territories which it is sought to secure at small cost of this sort many cities were settled by romans and in all parts of their dominions it may also happen that such cities are founded by a prince merely to add to his renown without any intention on his part to dwell there as alexandria was built by alexander the great cities like these not having had their beginning in freedom seldom make such progress as to rank among the chief towns of kingdoms the city of florence belongs to that class of towns which has not been independent from the first for whether we ascribe its origins to the soldiers of Scylla, or as some have conjectured to the mountaineers of fiesola who emboldened by the long peace which prevailed throughout the world during the reign of Octavianus, came down to occupy the plain on the banks of the Arno. In either case, it was found that under the auspices of Rome, nor could at first make other progress than was permitted by the grace of the sovereign state. The origin of cities may be said to be independent when a people, either by themselves or under some prince, are constrained by a famine, pestilence, or war to leave their native land and seek a new habitation. Settlers of this sort either establish themselves in cities, which they find ready to their hand in the countries of which they take possession, as did Moses, or they build new ones, as did Aeneas. It is in this last case that the merits of a founder and the good fortune of the city founded are best seen and this good fortune will be more or less remarkable according to the greater or less capacity of him who gives the city its beginning the capacity of a founder is known in two ways by his choice of a site or by the laws which he frames and since men act either of necessity or from choice and merit may seem greater where choice is more restricted we have to consider whether it may not be well to choose a sterile district as the site of a new city, in order that the inhabitants, being constrained to industry and less corrupted by ease, may live in closer union, finding less cause for division in the poverty of their land, as was the case in Ragusa and in many other cities built in similar situations. Such a choice were certainly the wisest and the most advantageous Could men be content to enjoy what is their own without seeking to lord it over others? But since to be safe they must be strong, they are compelled to avoid these barren districts and to plant themselves in more fertile regions, where the fruitfulness of the soil, enabling them to increase and multiply, they may defend themselves against any who attack them and overthrow any who would withstand their power." And as for that languor which the situation might breed, care must be had that hardships which the sight does not enforce shall be enforced by the laws, and that the example of those wise nations be imitated who, inhabiting most fruitful and delightful countries, and such as were likely to rear a listless and effeminate race unfit for all manly exercises, in order to obviate the mischief wrought by the amenity and relaxing influence of the soil and climate, subjected all who were to serve as soldiers to the severest training. Whence it came that better soldiers were raised in these countries than in others by nature rugged and barren. Such of old was the kingdom of the Egyptians, which, though of all lands, the most bountiful, yet by the severe training which its laws enforced, produced most valiant soldiers who had their names not been lost in antiquity might be thought to deserve more praise than alexander the great and many besides whose memory is still fresh in men's minds and even in recent times anyone contemplating the kingdom of the soldan and the military order of the mamelukes before they were destroyed by selim the grand turk must have seen how carefully they trained their soldiers in every kind of warlike exercise Showing thereby how much they dreaded that indolence to which their genial soil and climate might have disposed them unless neutralized by strenuous loss, I say then that it is a prudent choice to found your city in a fertile region when the effects of that fertility are duly balanced by the restraint of the laws when Alexander the Great thought to add to his renown by founding a city denocrates the architect came and showed him how he might build it on mount athos which not only offered a strong position but could be handled that a city built there might present a semblance of the human form which would be a thing strange and striking and worthy of so great a monarch but when alexander's asking how the inhabitants were to live denocrates answered that he had not thought of that whereupon alexander laughed and leaving mount athos as it stood built alexandria where the fruitfulness of the soil and the vicinity of the nile and the sea might attract many to take up their abode to him therefore who inquires into the origin of rome if he assign its beginning to aeneas it will seem to be of those cities which were founded by strangers if to romulus than of those founded by the natives of the country but in whichever class replace it it will be seen to have had its beginning in freedom and not in subjugation to another state it will be seen too as hereafter shall be noted how strict was the discipline which the laws instituted by romulus numa and its other founders made compulsory upon it so that Neither its fertility, the proximity of the sea, the number of its victories, nor the extent of its dominion could for many centuries corrupt it, but on the contrary maintained it replete with such virtues as were never matched in any other commonwealth. And because the things done by Rome, and which Titus Livius has celebrated, were effected at home or abroad by public or by private wisdom, I shall begin by treating and noting the consequences of those things done at home in accordance with the public voice, which seem most to merit attention. And to this object the whole of this first book or first part of my discourses shall be directed. End of chapter 1